Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Oxford Assembly of God podcast. If you have any questions, be sure to visit our website at oxfordag.org. And now, let's get into the message. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for those of you that are joining us online. We welcome you to be part of our family, and thank you so very, very much. If you're online, please uh, let us know where you're listening from. We've been having people from literally all over the United States and other places uh, watch, and we thank God for that. But thank you for coming, and many of you knew that I was preaching, and you came anyway. Thank you. (laughs) Makes me feel good. Lord bless you. We've been speaking about the attributes or characteristics of God. And today I want to address the topic, God the Builder. God the Master Builder. Uh, Maybe you've not thought of him in that aspect. We think of him as a creator. He's our provider. We've been talking about his omniscience and his omnipotence and, and all these things. But did you know he is the master builder? He's the builder. And you say, well, I'm not. What are you saying? Well, let's look at a few scriptures. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. We just look at one verse, start with out of that chapter, where it says, For he was looking, speaking of Abraham, was looking forward to the city that has its foundations, whose designer and builder is God. How many thinks that God is capable in designing an awesome building? He's able to do that. We a lot of people ask about heaven. I have no idea what heaven's going to be like. All I know is the Bible tells us that we can't imagine it. You just draw a picture of heaven and make it as beautiful and as extravagant as you want. And it's going to be far, far greater than that. You say, how do I know? Because the Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I often think about heaven as this way. As, uh, the Bible says there's not going to be any more time, right? Time shall be no more. If that's the case, neither uh, there's, if there's no time then there's no limitations of space. So if you're going somewhere, what do you think? Well, I'm going to Atlanta, Georgia. Where's Atlanta? Well, it's seven hours. But if you're in heaven to think that you're there, boom. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be great to be in a place? Yes, because everybody's got an idea of what heaven's like. You know, some people say, well, you know, I don't like that song, build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. I don't like that. I want streets of gold. Hey, I'd much rather have a cabin. But you know what? It'll be great. I can walk, dangle my feet in the water of the cabin in the corner of glory land and think about the streets of gold and be there. Heaven's going to be awesome. But meanwhile, back at the ranch. Meanwhile, here in, on this earth, we've got situations to go through. And the Bible says that he is our master builder. Not only is he building a physical builder, but he's a spiritual builder. We know he created this earth, but he's in the process of building you and I to be the body of Christ. Look with me over a few pages earlier in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, begin reading at verse 1, where it says, Therefore... 
holy brothers who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone. How many knows that your house didn't just spring up overnight? Now, people say, I don't have enough faith to believe in the creation. I don't have enough faith not to. Some people say, well, it just happened. Well, you know, years ago, my wife bought me a nice watch. And, you know, because it was a nice watch, I happened to stop by the softball field, and there was a game going on, and they invited me to play, and I didn't want to mess my watch up, so I took my watch off, put it in my pocket. I slid into second base, and it tore into a hundred different pieces. Of course, my leg wasn't real good either. <laughs> what if I told you I put that watch in a plastic bag, put it in a drawer, and that one of these days I went back there, and it all been put back together? You'd said that I've been in the communion wine too much. You know, because you know, it said, well, it didn't happen. There's some people that think this earth just happened. No, the master creator and the builder of the universe, he made it all. So he is our master builder. He says he's the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful. But verse 6, it says, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Not only a physical building, but a spiritual building. We are his house. We are his house. Paul told the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read a few verses. Verse 17. Notice what it says. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so that you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Got that? We're of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God is building his church. There's a lot of things that God has built. He's the builder of it all. But he's building his church. He's building his church. And if you slip over to the next chapter in chapter 3 verse 10. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Through the church. Now, he was not speaking of the physical building, but this spiritual building. This building that God is putting together, this family of God. Now, I had to make sure that I say this correctly because as I was writing my notes, I said, we need to quit going to church. And I said, man, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. I said, we need to stop just going to church and start being the church. 
See, sometimes we think we go to church and we come to a building. I love this building. God has blessed us this building. Thank God for it. God built this building. You say, wait a minute, man built it. Yeah, but God uh, gave us the vision. God gave us the provision through man. And God's, this is God's building. But we're talking about something far greater than this physical building. We're talking about the body of Christ that God is building his church and he does want us to quit just going to church but to start being the church amen in the book of Matthew Peter asked a question Peter asked a question in Matthew chapter 16 or Jesus asked a question to Peter excuse me Matthew chapter 16 verse 13 now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples who do people say that the son of man is and they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to him, but who do you say that I am? Now, I believe he's asking the whole group. He was asking the whole group, but Peter was a typical preacher. He had to be the one to speak first. And he said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Now, a lot of people say he was the first one to acknowledge that. No, he wasn't. Because if you go back and read before Peter ever met Jesus, Andrew went to him and said, Peter, I want you to come meet Jesus. Is this not the Son of God? So Andrew saw it before Peter. That he was the Son of God. He was who he says he was. But now this was the issue. The reason Jesus was crucified is because he claimed to be the Son of God. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, let me just throw this out to you. If you think you've done something fantastic and great because you become a Christian, it was not flesh and blood that revealed that to you, but the Holy Spirit. The only way is through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit revealed that to you. This is the Christ, the Son of God. And it says, I tell you, are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He was not saying he was going to build the church on Peter. He was telling that he was going to build upon the confession that Jesus was the rock. That Jesus was the Christ. That Jesus was the Son of God. That he is what the church is built on. He says, I will build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What an awesome statement he's promised. Now there's a lot of fears and anxieties going on in today's society. We worried about the, uh, all the covid We've worried about all these government issues. And, and I know that there are issues and things to be concerned about. But I'm going to tell you something. The church is going to prevail because God is still building this church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. And it's through the church, not the physical building, but through the body of Christ. But before we go any further, we need to ask this question. Before we broke ground to build this beautiful building, and I thank God for it. I'm so proud of it. Thank God for what he's blessed us with. But before we started building, we contacted a number of contractors. And there was one question in my, my, our minds. Are you qualified to build a building? I mean, how many of you knows that I did not want to go out 
and just pick somebody off the street and say, I want you to build our church. And the board looked at me and said, we don't want you to build a church. I've often told people that if I had to build a church, it had to be round because I can't cut a straight line. <laughs> we looked for someone that was qualified to build a building. So we asked the question, is Jesus qualified to build the church? <laughs> He's the master builder. He is the builder. He helped create this earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there at the creation. God is the builder. And Jesus is one says, I will build my church. I can tell you, a lot of pastors, we get kind of anxious because we forget that sometimes. We think it's all about us. It's all about how we can do or what we can do. I got news for you. It's not about us because Jesus is the one building the church. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell. And is he qualified? I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, he is qualified to build his church. He is qualified to build the church. We've already addressed it from Hebrews. The builder of all things is God. He is more than qualified. And he knows the greatest truth in building. The greatest truth in building is no building is stronger than its foundation. No building is stronger than foundation. See, Jesus Christ made this statement and earlier in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 24. said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now, notice something. It didn't say if it rains. It didn't say if the storms come. It says when it comes. When it comes. Because I'm going to tell you something. Sooner or later, the storm will come. Sooner or later, a situation will arise. And if you're built on the sand, it's not going to hold up. It has to be built on a strong foundation. And Jesus Christ said, I will build my church upon this rock. What's the rock? The confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Almighty God. He is God incarnate Himself. He came to this earth as flesh so that we could, He could die so that we could build a church. Not a building, but the body of Christ. It's built upon the sure foundation. But you know, one of the amazing things if I was going to build a church, I would buy the best of materials. I'd get the, make sure I had steel that was the best. I'd want to get the plywood or, or sheeting that was the best. Don't you think that's wise? How many knows God doesn't do that? God builds his church out of warped boards. Huh? Yes, he builds a church out of warped boards. 
Now, I know some of you say, well, why are you telling me that I'm warped? Because you are. We all are warped. We all have defaults. We all have problems. We all have issues. And if you don't, ask your spouse and she might can help you. <laughs> Find a few faults because, listen, God takes sinful people. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What does that mean? Well, I take that to mean that we all come short of Jesus. None of us are, are, are that good. But you know what? He takes all these warped boards, the rejects, and he builds a church. And he said, the gates of hell are not going to prevail. He takes the warped boards, the misshapen, the rough bricks or stones. And yet God, the master builder, says, I can make something. I can make that person into a part of the body of Christ. It takes a master builder to do that. It takes a master builder to do that. I've been on a few missions trips. I know I went to uh, South America and, and they were building a, a, a block wall. And they allowed me to lay a few blocks. Because in South America, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Because the blocks are inferior, the mortar's inferior, and the carpentry and the builders is usually inferior. But it's made into a church. I'm glad that the master builder, he said, I'm going to build my church. I use Gator's example because he is a builder. He's a professional. He's a master builder. But if he was going to build, he wouldn't go out and pick the scraps. He would go and look and see and make sure you get the straightest boards, the best. But if, if God was just looking for the best, most of us wouldn't be out there. Most of us would not be allowed to be part of the church. Because we're warped. We're problems. And I know none of you have that problem, but that person that God wanted you to fit next to might have some rough edges. And the master builder, guess what he has to do? He has to take those rough edges off. Because even though you don't have them, those people next to you do. And if he's building that wall... If he's building that wall, he has to get where they can mesh together. Those stones. So they'll build together. But God is building his church. See, three times there in Jeremiah. See, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. And right after the book of Jeremiah is the book of Lamentations that he wrote. And Lamentations literally is a funeral dirge for the nation of Israel. That's what Lamentations is. The lamenting of what Israel had gone through. Yet three times in the book of Jeremiah, God tells Jeremiah something. He says, I will build you up not to destroy you. I'm glad that God has an ultimate purpose behind every one of us. Not to destroy us, but to build us into a body of believers. To take all of the misfits, all of those things, and put us together together. 
Why would he do that? Because, see, God's wanting to build a masterpiece. Now, again, I want to tell you, I wouldn't have picked you. But I wouldn't have picked me either. But he's wanting to build a masterpiece. And in the words of the song Bill Gaither wrote years ago, primarily geared for children, but it fits us too. He's still working on me. He's still working on you. Why? Because he's building, this master builder is building a church. Notice what he says in 1 Peter. And of course, whenever I think about building a church, I think of Peter. I want to tell you, he wouldn't have been one of my top 12 picks. Would he have yours? How about doubting Thomas? I mean, you ask Thomas, what did he call him? Doubting Thomas. He wouldn't have made the top 12. But God says, I'm building him a church. And when he went by and saw these fishermen, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I know you home folks, you know that I often say, follow me and I'll make you. Because that's what Jesus does. He says, follow me and I will build you. I will build you into a body of believers. And he told us in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Notice what it says. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let me read that verse again. And I want you to listen. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a, a stone, a cornerstone, Chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who, who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble. They disobey the word as they were destined to do. But notice verse 9. See this goes in with what it said in verse 5. But you are a chosen generation. You weren't, but you are now a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. How can that be? Because God's putting it together. God's putting it together. But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency of him who called you out of darkness into your marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, this is a promise to the church that God said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. This is a promise that, he gave, that Paul gave the church in 1 Corinthians. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Notice what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. He who plants and who are waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are what? 
God's building. According to the grace of God, given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which was laid, which is Jesus Christ. Have to remember that the building is only as strong as the foundation. And if you're building on anything other than Jesus Christ, if you're building on the government, if you're building on your strength, if you're building on your uh, 401k, if you're building on anything other than Jesus Christ, one of these days during the storm, it's going to fall. But when we're building upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we will steadfast, immovable, because He is that rock that we're built upon. Uh, if you look and study how to build a tapestry or tapestry, whichever way you want to pronounce that word, I understand it can be pronounced either way. But an amazing thing about a tapestry. See, it's, it's, it's woven together in such a way that you cannot see the vertical lines at all. The only thing you can see is the horizontal. I know some of you say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, check it out. Read it. That you cannot see the up and down lines at all. The picture is only of the horizontal. But guess what holds it all together? That vertical line. That's that puts it all together, that meshes it. And so many times we're trying to put together the horizontal relationships, the horizontal pictures of our lives, without the vertical relationship that will never hold in place. We have to be built on the rock. We have to be built on the rock. And the amazing thing is that God is weaving us together to make a masterpiece. I said he's weaving us together as a church to make a masterpiece. I could go into Ephesians and talk about the different gifts that the church has. We could talk about the different parts of the body. But all of them make up the body of Christ. And he's weaving them together to make a masterpiece. And who is the one that determines what that masterpiece is going to be is the master builder. Now, I've already mentioned that I don't have any artistic ability whatsoever. But from what I gather that any artist, if they're going to be a wood carving, they look at a piece of wood and they see something in that piece of wood. If they want to build something out of steel, they see it in their eyes in their mind before they begin to put it there. If they're artists, they have to see it, and then they begin to paint it. Now, those of you that have artistic ability, you can comprehend it better than some of us. But see, Jesus sees you as part of a masterpiece, of a master plan. And he said, I'm going to build my church. And I'm going to take all the warp boards, the misfits, and I'm going to weave them together. And I'm going to make a, a church that COVID can't destroy. 
that the government cannot destroy. That all of the things in the world cannot destroy because I am building my church. But there's an amazing thing. The amazing thing that you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm, I'm going to have to ask God that. I really think probably when we get to heaven, we'll be so surprised. We got, I mean, so glad we got there. <laughs> Just teasing. We can know that we're saved. We know we're saved. But I think a lot of the things that we think is important. But I do have one question. Why did he create man? And give them the only ability in the world to tell the artist, no. Think about it. God says, I got a plan for you. And he gives you the ability and the right to say, no. Because we have free will. Gator has a favorite saying that, that, I, that has become one of my favorite sayings. How does that work for you? Because sometimes God will let us do our thing. Right. I was speaking to a person that worked with a program similar to Youth Challenge, Teen Challenge, Lighthouse Ministries. But they tell me that in the interview process... They have a detailed interview process because they know that unless a person really wants to change, they're not going to change. And one of the questions that almost invariably comes up is a person will say, I'm out of control. How many of you ever heard that? Maybe you talk to your grandkids, they're out of control. But you know, the interviewer tells me, he said, no, that's the problem. You're in control. You're in control, and using Gator's phrase, how does that work for you? Because until we give ourselves to the master builder, He's limited. Say, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. That's the only way it works. He did not create us as robots. He did not create us in, as, as puppets on a string. He created us as free moral agents to choose. first church as we know it was called the tabernacle it was a marvelous portable building man you look at it it was made to such detail it was awesome the tabernacle in the wilderness it was portable but man it was made uh, with gold and, and all types of fine linens and, and materials skins an awesome thing and God says that's not good enough so Solomon built a temple. And man, that was a beautiful temple. 
David gave literally, according to Scripture, millions of dollars out of his own pocket to build the temple. Beautiful. Magnificent. One of the greatest splendors of the world. Yet God said, that's not good enough. I'm going to build a better church. And I'm going to take the warp boards, the misfits, and I'm going to build a church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the only way it can happen is when we give him control of our lives. Brother Lee, when he mentioned the Indian crawling up on the altar, that's exactly what we're talking about. When we give ourselves to the master builder. Oh, there's things sometimes we want to hold back. The Bible uses the illustration several times about the potter and the clay. Can you imagine, and it uses this phraseology, can you imagine the clay said, I don't want to be a pot? I don't want to be that. She said, that's foolish. But how many times do we tell the master builder that he doesn't know what's best for us because we've got a better idea? But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Paul gave to the church at Ephesus so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So that through the church that's not this building it's through the body of Christ through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Now, I know this might be offensive to some of you, but when we were getting ready to build our new building, I and the building committee were very adamant about one thing. We don't want an architectural showcase. We want something that can be used of God. And again, I know some people love architect, and that's great, fine. But the church is not made to be a showcase. It's made to be a living organism for the kingdom of God. And he's putting us all together, building his church but the only way the masterpiece will ever be completed is when the things that God is wanting to use, that's you and I, 
are willing to put our hands and our lives into the hands of the builder. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. That we're willing to give control of our lives to God. And say, here it is. Then, he can build a church. I believe that's what he was asking Peter. He said, who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the master builder. And I give myself to you. Worship team, come on up. I don't know where you stand today, and I know most of us, maybe all of us are Christians, but sometimes we have a tendency to hold something back from God. Let's present our bodies today. What? A living sacrifice. God doesn't need a dead sacrifice. He wants a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, I ask you to take the word that you've given today, make it applicable to each one of our lives. Help us to understand that you're in the process of building us individually and collectively. And God, it's so great to know that you're working on me as an individual but you're also working on me as a part of the body of Christ that we can knit together. And it's true not just for me, but for every person in this building. And we ask you to help us to lean not upon our own understanding, but to lean and trust in you. And God, we just give you praise, give you honor. I'd like to ask you to stand to your feet and we're going to sing this old hymn of the church. If you'd like to receive prayer this morning, the altar's open. If you'd like to just surrender everything to God. Maybe you've been holding back. and You say, okay, today's the day I want to give it all to God. Then I'd encourage you to make your way to the altar and let's commit and submit to being the church of the living God that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thank you for listening to the OAG podcast. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God Church, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G.org.